Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good morning. Good morning. We are so excited to be here and to really spread the word and give you a gift. That's what it is. Uh, We're not trying to, look, we don't get a commission when people adopt a compassionate diet, right? (laughs) We're not, we we don't profit from it personally. So why would we care? We care because we care about the planet. We care about uh, saving uh, animals from unnecessary suffering. We care about human health. There are so many reasons why we want to show you that there's another way to do things that's beautiful, that, that results in joyousness, health, and natural abundance. So um, what... Oh, uh, sorry. I just accidentally called somebody. So, <laughs> welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my world. Okay, hold on one second. We're live. We are live, and we are ready to have a fabulous, fabulous show today. So we have some great guests, and we're talking about a very, very difficult subject. We've got the amazing Rob Adams of Dog Trainer Extraordinaire. We are joined by the amazing Fia Pereira, actress, and Sheena Gao is joining us, and we are so excited to have everybody here. Now, we are talking about a difficult subject. It is the dog meat trade. Um, Sheena, hang up, will you, dear, and and just join us via um, the audio. We'll, We'll let you know how to join us. But we're talking about the dog meat trade. And the dog meat trade is really one of the most horrific, horrific um, acts of barbarism by humanity against humans in in this world. It is the most evil, most horrible thing. And I'd like to start by asking Fia if she could describe exactly what's happening and where so we know just how how extraordinarily horrific this is. Well... Uh, Jane, so basically what we're talking about is, well, the dog meat trade goes on throughout Asia. Also, it, in Switzerland and some other countries, you'd be shocked that it's happening. But it's in, it's in Asia. In China specifically, wow. over 20, 30 million dogs are consumed, killed for meat. A lot of them are stolen pets, um, people, that, uh, people that don't want their dogs anymore that will just sell them to dog meat traders. Now, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival is, is in the Guangdong province of China. And this is the Lychee Yulin Dog Meat Festival that was started eight years ago by by basically uh, just these these uh, the criminals in a, in a sense criminals dog meat traders people that it has nothing to do it shouldn't be it's disgusting that they call it a festival and they torture in in Asia what they do is they feel that that the more the dog suffers the more it, it undergo, undergoes a horrific. Uh, sense of torture, the more adrenaline rushes through the body of the animal and the better, the sweeter the meat is going to taste. So that's what this festival, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival has started, where over 10,000 dogs 
have been killed, probably a lot of them have. We've been seeing lots of these dogs, 20 dogs in one little cram cage. And uh, so that's what we are all talking about today is not only the Yulin, the, the, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival, the fact that it goes on 365 days of the year and we're coming up on Baknal in Korea. It is something I know that Sheena will talk about and, and Rob has been there and to, to travel throughout Asia and, and in China. So it is, this is what we're talking about is that this, this horrific trade is happening all the time. And I'm sitting here with my little dog bear. He was rescued from the dog meat trade. And so I sit here and I hold his little paw and I just, um, you know, it's been very emotional thinking about all of his friends in China right now and, 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 and Asia that are, that are, that are uh, suffering this horrible, horrible torture. It's, People need to start doing something, um, and, and we must support the activists. I know we'll get into that, what we can do. But that's what's happening right now, and it goes on for about a week. So, um, I mean, just seeing these videos, Plush Bear Rescue was trying to save dogs that literally owners were selling their dogs that were being weighed by dog meat traders, butchers. How could, I mean, it's just, it's un fathomable to think about how the disconnect between these animals and of course it's you know what we do to farm animals is terrible but to specifically talk about the dog meat trade in Yulin it's you know every year it comes up and we protest but now we we have to start we really have got to start um you know upping the ante on legislation um and uh you know boycotting and really supporting um, the, uh, the a lot of the, the activists in China that are doing so much behind closed doors. Well, let me say this, and I think I'll go to Rob on this, and that is that um, there is legislation that we passed here in the United States. Uh, we passed Resolution 401 and HR 6720. Now, when you say pass, does that mean it's law, Rob? And if it is law, what do those laws say? And how do they help stop the dog meat trade? Yes, we did pass it into law. It was signed in. Uh, we passed two of them. We passed, as you said, HR 670 or 6720, which is the Dog and Cat Meat Trade Prohibition Act of 2018. Uh, what it states is that the, this bill prohibits persons from knowingly slaughtering a dog or cat for human consumption. In addition, the bill prohibits persons from knowingly transporting, possessing, buying, selling, or donating a dog or cat to be slaughtered for human consumption or dog or cat parts for human consumption. The bill subjects a violator to a fine. Obviously, a fine, you know, <laughs> to us, it should be a lot more than a fine, but it's a start. But basically what you're saying is that... Uh, Dog meat is now outlawed in the United States. Yes. And in 44 states up until last year, it was still legal, believe it or not. Oh, my God. Well, we have Sheena Gow. She's also on video, but we're having trouble with our audio. So we're going to join her on the phone. Sheena, you tell us what your background is and why you have a unique perspective on this crisis. Um, I'm a Chinese-American. and uh, I uh, understand the Chinese culture and knowing what had happened. Honest the truth is what I wasn't even aware of the situation uh, only until 2015 when it come to light through one of the, uh, the heroes we know that Mark Chang. And I started to become very aware and participated this, uh, the uh, 
protest against the dog meat trade. I went to China 2017 when there was a huge truck that being stopped. All the Chinese activists went there to rescue these dogs. So I was firsthand to seeing these dogs being rescued and feeling the frustration of where to place these rescue dogs. And I was visiting all the locations where they're hiding all the dogs, knowing the police can show up at any time to confiscating all these rescue dogs. It was very heartbreaking and very, very um, helpless at that moment. Uh, I dive into a little more. Uh, I want to just correct the uh, fears uh, uh, saying that Guangdong, uh, it's actually Guangxi. Yuling is in Guangxi, which is west. Guangdong province is on the east side. Guangxi province is Yuling, where Yuling is located at. It's about, about 300 miles from Vietnam. So it's very close. They all have the dog-eating culture. Also, in the northern China, there's an area joined by Korea. Uh, it's very close to Korea. That's also dog-eating region. So there's a cultural back in the days, way, way back in the days, so then they were treating dogs as one of those stocks they would eat. But we have progressed so many hundred years, so we should not even look at it. We look at them as a pet. And I also remember when I was little, my father said, don't worry about this. These dogs are bred to be eaten. So they call them grass dogs. Grass yeah. dogs means like, oh, that's not purebred. It's just dogs that you can't eat. And the other dog. Since I was a little, I just didn't think that was right. I'm like, that's not right. I do not want to participate in that. But I also want to state the point. Chinese or majority of Chinese do not eat dogs. It's not one of those dog meat uh, animal products they sell readily in all groceries. It's a very rare in major cities. You have to go to the rural area or some region in China where they can find dog meat. It's a, it's a specialty, so to speaking. And the majority of Chinese don't even know you can actually buy dog meat now. Like I grew up in Nanjing and Shanghai. It's not where you walk in the grocery and say, can I get dog meat? No, it doesn't happen that way. So it's just a small group. That small group causes so much damage to China, to its culture, and to the people there. But granted, China does not have animal protection legislation. So they do not. They can sell their pets at any day. Say, I don't want this pet anymore. Either let go in the street, become free, uh, free profit for the dog meat traders, or you get sold to the dog meat market. Well, uh, Sheena Gal, thank you so much. Uh, you give us a perspective because this is not something that we're doing to attack any particular culture. The right. culture that we have here in the Americas is just as sick on many levels, just uh, targeting different animals. And uh, what we do to pigs and cows is also brutal and vile and torture. So we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what you can do, what you can do to stop this. There has got to be a way to stop this. And uh, some of the best minds and people who are really focused on this are here today. So stay with us here on Voice America Radio. We always want to thank Voice America for allowing us to talk about these issues that so many 
uh, mainstream news outlets just refuse to discuss. I mean, we had a huge protest just the other day, and uh, there was no mainstream media coverage. That's why Jane Unchained was there live. But we sh- everybody should be talking about this. So we're going to take a brief break on Voice America Radio. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with more on how to stop China's dog meat trade. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune in to Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. We are talking about something that is truly impossible to even comprehend uh, what humanity can do. The evil that humanity is capable of is truly mind boggling. What we are talking about today is the dog meat trade, the dog meat trade in China, where dogs just like little Rico here and the dogs that you have at home that you love are subjected to the most vile torture because somehow somebody's decided that that increases the virility of the person eating it. It is beyond barbaric. It is beyond uh, There's just no words. They blowtorch these dogs with blowtorches. They hang them and beat them. And Thea Pereira, an amazing actress and activist, actually has a dog with her that was rescued. So, Thea, take it away and explain who you have sitting with you. Okay, so hi. Yes, so um, this is Bear. And Bear was rescued in China from the dog meat trade. He and his sister were both going to be eaten by their owners. And so these wonderful rescuers uh, came in and got Bear and his sister uh, just in the nick of time. Um, That was uh, several years ago. And I started uh, really working on this campaign after I heard a lot of stuff that was going on through No to Dog Meat. And then Mark Ching really led the charge on this. But right now what's happening is bears, friends, and uh, so many different types of dogs in China, over 20 million dogs a year are are killed brutally uh, and and consumed. All right. Um, 
Well, let me let me discuss that a little bit. Um, can, can I say something real quick? Yes, please, please do. So one of the things that's really a misconceived perception is that, okay, it's not a matter of what this country or this country eats. Um, when I was there, I, I met some of the dogs that were rescued from a slaughterhouse. And uh, what was very disturbing to me, even more disturbing than the actual cruelty that goes on is they're called, you know, the dog meat dogs and the regular dogs we discussed, but these dogs are treated so badly, they have diseases. They aren't taken care of at all. The ones that are in the slaughterhouses, they are, you know, a lot of them are dark poisoned and whatever, but when they're in the slaughterhouses, they have parvo and distemper and all sorts of different diseases and sores on their body. There isn't an ounce of meat on most of these dogs. They're starving to death. They're skeletons. So the whole idea that they're eating them for any reason, I mean, they're torturing an animal and getting what a, a minuscule a teaspoon of food out of it. You know, it's not even about. No, continue on. I mean, it's a small percentage of the Chinese population. You just heard Sheena Gao says, you know, most of the people in China don't partake in this. This is um, a small percentage of the population that does this. They are, um, a lot of people in China are horrified over it, but the government is not doing anything to stop it. And what I heard from Sheena Gao is that, you know, this is the local governments that, that let's say, where the Yulin Dog Meat Festival occurs, the local government is in charge there. So, if the local government decides that this is what they want to do, the national government of China, the centralized government doesn't feel they can do anything. Can you address that? Because what are we going to do to stop it, Rob? Uh, that's a very good question. The, uh, I mean, in reality, because of the lack of human laws in China, um, protesting and making any big uh, movement against the government is very illegal. They'll arrest you. Uh, and so the activists out there are really the ones that are going to be able to to stop this. And it's the younger generation um, having an impact and standing up for things that's really going to make a change. Uh, it definitely helps to, you know, for them to know that the rest of the world is behind them, that they're not alone out there in this. Uh, so every time we do speak up and we get it out to maybe their WeChats, then they can see uh, they're obviously they're um, they're. they're what they're able to see is, is also restricted by the government. So, um, but they're out there doing this and they're risking their lives. I mean, they, when they go there, I think there was a, just the other day, there was a, they, they were attacked by meat traders, the girl, I think they broke her ribs or something like they're, they're just, they're, they're mafia basically. So it's a bunch of criminal, it's a criminal organization um, that needs to be brought down by, you know, how do you bring down a criminal organization? You know, um, people have to stop participating in it and stand up, and it, it becomes more of a, a, you know, a movement, a human movement that needs to happen over there. Well, um, is there any? You said this this one girl was beaten up by these thugs who are torturing these dogs for the dog meat trade. Is there? Is there any effort that's underway right now in China? to maybe go around the thugs and get to the local governors. Uh, I just can't imagine that there's a situation that just there's nothing we can do. Listen, I've gone to, I don't know how many protests now, year after year at the Chinese consulate in Los Angeles. Just like you organized, Rob, 
And Rob is an amazing dog trainer, vegan activist here in Los Angeles. You know, you organized this protest. It was very well attended. I think we had 50, 60 people. We marched, we chanted. All the people going into the Chinese consulate saw it. And um, uh, we did that last year and we did it the year before. But it's still going on. So you know what they say, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I think something that makes it a little difficult is that, um, you know, that there's a lot of groups, separate groups that are doing, you know, are actively participating and trying to stop the dog and cabbage, whether they're going over there and rescuing them or, you know, bring them back or uh, voicing it, having protests, whatever. But there seems to be a lot of infighting. And when you have a collective that as a, as a whole could really reach more people and make a bigger effect, um, all broken up into small little pieces, it, it ruins the, the collaboration attempt. And then it makes it look like it's not as big of a problem as it is. Because it's like, well, if they, if they can't, it doesn't seem to be something that we need to focus on. It's only 10,000 dogs. When there's like, you know, what about the human tragedies that happen all around the world? People like to throw out another problem that needs to be resolved instead of focusing on one problem as if it isn't a problem anymore. Yeah. In other words, I agree with you. I get so upset when people go, well, why aren't you worried about people? It's like, well, why do you go to the movies? Why do you go to a baseball game? I mean, why aren't you worried about people at that moment in time? Yeah. So it's such a false equivalency that somehow, because we're worried about animals and we want to stop these little helpless, helpless, voiceless dogs from being tortured to death, from being put in boiling water and boiled alive. That's not, and not that even to kill don't them. care about people. It's not even to kill them. It's just to make them suffer more. And then they put them in the deferring machines while they're alive. Everything is while they're alive. Um, you know, I've noticed a lot, and then not to make a point of a country in particular that does this, but I've noticed a lot of the demand for a lot of the cruelty that happens to animals, whether it be the poaching, like I mentioned, the rhinoceroses, the elephants, the you know tigers, pangolians, all for the Asian medicine market. Um, that's where a majority of it is all going, and they're in the you know even the bear vial uh, or bile. Um, all of these things that they're taking from animals is on a false assumption that that the people are believing that it helps benefit them in some way. Um, obviously, we know that it doesn't, and there isn't any proof that it does. Actually, I would say prove it. And if, it, if you can't prove it, then stop it. Dear God. Now, there are big Chinese celebrities. The basketball player, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but I think, is it Yao Ming? I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, one we were talking to Sheena Gao, who is Chinese and who has really risked her life and uh, along with many other Chinese. This is not attack on a culture um, any more than attacking factory farming here in the United States is an attack on the American uh, you know, ethos. Uh, there's cruelty that occurs everywhere. It just takes different forms. That's actually a very good comparison to the factory farms here and to them there. As far as like the, even the medicinal, like they've been sold this idea that the, the, there is a benefit from medicinal, you know, from taking these things from the animals. Whereas here also, the disconnect with, oh, well, the, the factory farms, those are stock, livestock. That, that doesn't, it doesn't matter if they suffer. And our disconnect from that as well, it's like, oh, as if they're a different animal, as if they don't have feelings. The whole idea that we've separated ourselves 
from any other creature in this world as the only ones that care, or the only ones that love, or the only ones who have a right to something is part of the huge problem internationally. It's totally a global problem. I agree with you. And, you know, all, all suffering and all of the, of the ills of the world is based on this faulty notion that some suffering doesn't count. And I think Martin Luther King called it thingifying, thingifying, as if some beings are things and their, their suffering, their pain doesn't count when it counts just as much. So while I am horrified by what is going on in China, I'm also horrified by what's going on in the United States and the explicit torture of dogs in China for things like the Yulin dog meat trade is morally reprehensible and pure evil. But what we do to 9 billion animals, uh, castration without anesthesia, ripping babies away from their mothers for the dairy industry, which, you know, most people don't even think about. Where does your milk come from? The, the cow has to be pregnant to produce milk, just like all mammals. Milk doesn't fall from milk trees. I didn't have milk trees. I, you know, I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't know. I knew about milk trees not being there. But um, I've been allergic to dairy, thankfully, for 30 years. And, you know, uh, what I didn't know, though, is I thought that the milk, just like everybody else, the milk came from, like, once they're pregnant, maybe they kept them lactating kind of thing and blah, blah, blah. I never knew that they had to re-impregnate them over and over and over and over again. And when I found out that, and that was honestly just a couple of years ago, it was the greatest day of my life personally for being allergic to milk for 30 years that I knew I didn't have anything to do with that industry, thankfully, at least that one. Um, you know, it's, it's, we don't think that people, we think like the USDA, for example, or another country or humans in general wouldn't have an industry based on animal cruelty. We can't even fathom the things they do to these animals, all animals. Like we, we see them blowtorching an animal. I mean, it's quite obvious that is wrong. Any, any child could tell you that's not okay. Um, but we don't see in the slaughterhouses, you know what I mean? These things, if, and what a lot of the activists, the, the vegan activists like, you know, uh, DXE are going into the slaughterhouses and they're exposing that truth too. what's happening to those animals, what's happening to all animals around the world. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's going back to the dog and cat trade, it's not a matter of we prefer one animal to not be hurt over another. It's the extreme torture and purposeful torture that's happening. And I would say the same thing that's happening inside slaughterhouses here that we don't know about is the same thing that those mafia are doing or the meat traders are doing to those animals. Um, they're, they're not considering the pain involved at all. In fact, they have competitions on who can hurt them more. You know, so uh, I think it's in, very important not to let um, one animal movement overrule another animal movement. Like, focus on each one. Each one has, everybody says, like, oh, well, what about, what about the cows? We're talking about the dog and cat meat trade. Why don't we talk about each one? Every one counts. Well, the only reason why I bring it up is that people like to point the finger. So first, some people might get offended and say, you're attacking a culture. And we're not attacking a culture. As we mentioned, Sheena Gao, who's Chinese, uh, is leading the battle to uh, stop the dog meat trade. So is Wayne uh, from DXE. Mark Cheng, who is uh, the head of DXE, is, is Chinese, and he's considered one of the leading animal activists in the world. Wayne, yeah. So, uh, Wayne, I'm sorry, Wayne Chung. Um, so... Uh, 
you know, this is not an attack on a culture. And I don't think you should be able to hide behind culture to justify torture. I don't care what you're talking about. because and, And one of the reasons that I do bring in the whole issue of eating animals is that a lot of people hide behind culture to justify their eating of animals. Tradition, yeah. Yeah, they, and I've had people, enviro- so-called environmentalists at environmental conferences say to me, it's cultural, like that, like, it's cultural, leave me alone. Yeah. There's absolutely um, no validity to that. You know, every single culture uses that excuse. So I'm half Irish and half Puerto Rican, okay? Mm-hmm. So I could say, well, it's cultural, I'm Irish. Well, guess what? The Irish have plenty of plant-based foods, whether it's potatoes, whether it's cabbage. Um, There are plenty of Puerto Rican plant-based foods, yuca, platanos, beans, rice, all sorts of foods. In fact, in both countries, Puerto Rico is a commonwealth, but in both regions, there are tremendous vegan movements going on. There's two veg fests in Puerto Rico. So for somebody to look at me and go, it's cultural, that's just an excuse. And so... We are not attacking cultures. We're not attacking the Chinese culture. In fact, some of the greatest activists on the planet are Chinese. And it's a very small, tiny fraction of the Chinese population engaged in this. But we're not going to shy away from confronting horrible violence and torture because somebody puts up the get out of jail free card. Oh, it's cultural. That is an excuse. I don't care whether it comes to eating animals or torturing animals. Culture. What is it that you chanted at the protest, Rob? It's not culture, it's torture. Yes, that was very effective. It's not culture, it's torture. No matter how you look at it, if, if you looked at it and you had, you know, every, every ethnicity there, okay, and you, everyone witnessed the same thing, it's not a matter of perspective that that animal isn't suffering. You have to look at it as you can see that animal is suffering. And the problem, again, is the disconnect that, that for some reason, another being doesn't matter as much as a human. And that is a very common, I don't know, way of thinking, apparently. I don't know. It's a complete disconnect that I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but it's, it's, it is international. Now, I noticed in, through traveling, there are a lot more people in a lot of other countries that are more aware and who are more, you know, doing more things. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I was in, in Prague and, you know, <laughs> have you, uh, they're very, they're still very into fur and, and everything is meat and cheese. It's very difficult to maneuver around there. Uh, well, actually I was in Prague and the first thing I did was whip out my happy cow app <laughs> and uh, immediately I looked down and there was a vegan restaurant within literally a 10 minute walk, walked over to the vegan restaurant, had a great conversation with the manager, with the waiters, with the people sitting next to me. Oh, great! And I felt like I was home. Uh, and then the same thing happened in Seski Krumlov, which is a UNESCO world heritage site that um, was on the journey to Vienna. And the same thing happened in Vienna. Vienna was great. I yeah. realized I felt sorry for all the meat eating tourists who were in the tourist joints sitting there eating their hamburgers and French fries, which they could be eating in Ohio or wherever they're from. Yeah. And because I'm a vegan, I was able to go on the happy cow app and get these incredible meals. And I'll just show you the happy cow app for anybody who doesn't 
uh, know it. It's the place where you can get every restaurant nearby or store that has vegan, vegetarian, veg op- options. And uh, I was able to have all these authentic experiences with real people from Vienna. In fact, walking in near a church where everybody was, all the tourists were packed in and just, you know, just being moved along. And because of being vegan and the Happy Cow app, I went in there. There was this beautiful little sort of garden and they were having a communal meal. And I found this place and I said, where's the menu? They said, there's no menu. We only serve one thing. You're invited to sit down like you're a member of the family. And we had this incredible experience and conversation with people from Vienna who go there every week to eat. And it was like one of the highlights of my trip. And so I benefited from that. And I do look at the tourists who are just, you know, they say, who... Who was it who said, I forget the poet, you know, two paths converged uh, in the woods and I took the one least traveled by and that made all the difference. We can have unique experiences as vegans and not just have these manufactured experiences that everybody is sort of pushed to experience for the profit, for the profit motive. Yeah. No, there's a, yeah, I mean, it, it, you have, we have to think about, it, we have to start thinking and using our senses again, instead of being on auto drive and, and becoming more involved in everything. There was a, I mean, people don't want to be involved if they hear a neighbor next door, if they hear somebody fighting next door or gunshots, like all of a sudden, you know, you know, nobody's rushing to your door to help you. And I think one of my biggest fears is that I'll ever need help one day and people will just sit there and watch and not do anything. And that's why I don't want to ever be one of those people. So I, when I look at the animals, all animals, you know, dogs, I'm a dog trainer. So of course I'm, I'm, I mean, I can't breathe sometimes when I think about what happens to them. You know, it's, it's, I can't breathe when I think about what happens to any animal. Uh, It's, it's too much. Um, But a little bit at a time, if I don't do anything, then nothing happens. And uh, there was a uh, gory, I mean, Gary, I don't know how to say his last name. Computer had a really good uh, saying. He said once it was, I don't remember the whole thing, but it was animals have been victimized for so long. They're not even considered victims anymore. They're not considered at all. And I think that's, it was a very deep revelation to me when I read that. It, it, it sunk in on a lot of levels. And I think it's something that we need to bring to the forefront again. I remember reading that too. And it was very powerful. It's like, we have reduced these animals And in the United States, no, it's not dogs and cats for the most part, although people discard their senior dogs all the time Mm -hmm. Um, and and other dogs as well. I mean, we kill millions. We put down millions of domesticated animals here in the United States uh, because they're inconvenient. Uh, But um, for the vast majority of animals who are factory farm animals, cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, goats, lambs, and animals used for leather, they have been reduced to the to the point where they're not even considered animals. People walk around and say they're animal lovers while they're by proxy killing those animals. And um, I saw a guy with a kindness T-shirt on and, and he was eating a ham sandwich. Mm. And I said to him, well, does your kindness extend beyond yourself to other species, to animals? And he was like, sure. I said, but well, what about the animal you killed by proxy that you're eating right now? Who you're eating right now? 
I said, killing is no kindness. And, and the look in his face was like, what are you talking about? This is just ham. Right. So the we have so have disconnected. We can't even connect the fact that the animals we're eating are animals. The marketing campaign from agriculture and uh, everybody who's making, and I don't know who all these people are, but their marketing that has been going on for years of like the happy cows, and you know, and that all these animals are happy to have you take from them, um, puts a comfort level in us, a false comfort level in us that we don't even think about it twice. And by renaming, you know, pig to ham, it's not even an animal anymore. It's another layer away from, you know, person that it was, the individual that it was. And that's what makes it so easy not to think about it. And when we show video and people get so upset, they're like, how can you show that? Because how could we not? Did you, we, we just assume that you must not know that because how could you possibly participate in this if you knew what was happening? You know? Uh, and then they're like, oh, I know what happens. I'm like, I don't think you do. Because I know that when people, when vegans would come at me a long time ago, um, it depends on how they approached me. You know, if they approached me like, you're killing people, you're, or you're killing animals, you don't care, you're a murderer, I, I would, you know, you, that's not the way to approach somebody. Because I don't even know what you're talking about. Because in my mind, I haven't, I haven't even seen any of those levels yet. You know what I mean? So by saying that to me, it's, it's just very random. But if you come at it and you try to approach it from a, uh, I mean, you have a pet, right? You, you, you've seen your pet get happy and you've seen your pet get sad and you know you, you can relate to those things. When you put it on, uh, put them, make them relate to another animal in some way or another, it helps them make the next step. The reason I became vegan was the dog and cat meat trade. And the only reason I was able to make the connection was I wasn't going to be able to fight it if I still ate other animals. And I didn't even know then, about four years ago, really all that was happening to the animals in the factory farms, like the real truth and the fact that you didn't need them to survive, which is also something that we, you know, put as our, in the back of our mind as a reason why we continue to still eat at them is because we think that we have to. And that's a lie. I've been alive for four years somehow <laughs> without eating animals. So that means, you know, everything I was taught was, was a lie. Yeah. We are taught lies and we are also brainwashed. And, um, the, the facts are that processed meat, which is how a lot of animals end up becoming, is, which is hot dogs and bacon, and uh, it's officially cancer-causing, okay? Officially cancer-causing. Um, the World Health Organization has documented that. It's a carcinogen. They're also very sick, just like, the, you know, as I mentioned, the dogs in, you know, in, in China or the slaughterhouses, you know, the reason... Uh, there's so much sickness, it, we're, we're becoming immune to antibiotics because they're feeding, whenever you house so many animals in a small capacity, disease spreads among them like crazy. Like right now, I believe is the biggest, in, in China, of course, is the biggest uh, um, virus. Yeah, pig virus it's ever been. And, yeah. you know, and what happens when there's a virus? Then the millions of animals that are in there who were already suffering now are just going to be buried alive or burned alive to try to stop something that was created again by man. As a matter of fact, yes, they're killing millions of pigs in China, not to be eaten, but because of this swine flu. And uh, I actually was talking to activists about the fact that in this horrific crisis, there is an opportunity. Uh, the Chinese government has officially said they want to reduce meat consumption by 50% because oh, wow. they are aware 
of the environmental damage of animal agriculture, which is the leading cause of destruction on our planet. It is the leading cause of habitat destruction. It is the leading cause of wildlife extinction. It is the leading cause of human world hunger. And it is the leading cause of human disease. And the Chinese government knows this. All the smart people know this. It's not brain surgery. I mean, these progressive uh, commentators who can figure out all the nuances of the Russia investigation, which is far more complicated than connecting the dots on climate change and animal agriculture, you know, the hypocrisy is, is beyond comprehension, simply because of their arrogance that they feel they're entitled to eat animals because they've done it, because newspapers have food sections like the New York <laughs> Times. They have a food section. So the people in the food section don't want to be limited about what they can write about. So in the one, one section, they're saying, you know, animal agriculture, the best thing you can do to save the planet is not eat animals. And animal agriculture is a tremendous threat. And then the food section comes up with what's your favorite chicken dish or um, what are Marketing. the best hot dogs? So we have a complete disconnect in our society. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think the dog meat trade illustrates the extreme of where humans can go to literally um, earn the title cruelest species ever invented. No other, no, other, no other species annihilates so many animals um, on such a, a level. You know, whenever I bring up an animal cruelty, somebody will inevitably say, uh, you know, orcas throw seals around. I also do <laughs> marine uh, animal re rehab and, and rescue. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying that you're equivalent to an orca. You know, I mean, they're very smart, yes. But if you're saying that, the, that by then saying, oh, well, an orca does this, that means that's, everything that I'm saying doesn't matter. Now, uh, to go back to what we could do to kind of change it and bring around the change, it, it, it appears to me that, Nobody cares about anything unless they're held responsible for it. So, you know, like somebody might steal something off of your front porch, except that if they got caught, suddenly they're very sorry, you know? Uh, and it's, it's weird to me that you have to make laws like don't blowtorch an animal alive. Don't boil an animal alive. Stop being cruel to animals. But uh, apparently nobody cares unless there's some kind of thing taken away from them. So I want to also mention, we mentioned a resolution earlier we had to pass in the United States uh, HR 6720 because it would be because other countries would look at us and say, well, you don't even have it banned. How, why are you telling us to ban it? So we got it banned. And then in addition to that, you're saying the dog meat trade has been banned in the United States. Yeah. Yes. And enforce existing laws. But in addition to that, HRES, I got to put my glasses on so I can read this. HRES 401 urges all nations to outlaw the dog and cat meat trade and to enforce existing laws against such trade. And so what it does is it calls for an end to the dog and cat meat industry and urges all nations to outlaw the dog and cat meat trade. It affirms the commitment of the United States to the protection of animals around the world. So now on that platform, uh, we can go around and, you know, if Australia jumps in and the UK jumps in and France, Italy, if it becomes an international community where this is no longer an acceptable, um, uh, an acceptable, uh, if it's not acceptable anymore, then it'll stop. Just like smoking used to be, you know, very prevalent everywhere. And now it's like you're, you know, 
you smoke, you're outside somewhere far away from everybody else. It's not a social- At least in the United States. They right. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, using it as an example. They exported their their poison to other countries. Right. No, no, I mean, I just mean as an example of when something yes. was acceptable and like it was in advertisements everywhere and now it's not acceptable at all because of a group consensus that things changed. It's no longer acceptable. In the- yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think that's happening with meat. I mean, you see Beyond Meat's IPO is skyrocketing. You see all these fast food companies adopting it because the millennials and the Gen Zers are not as brainwashed because they don't watch TV. I mean, the way I see it is the vast majority of population that watches television, when I have TV on, I see it every couple of minutes, a TV commercial with the dripping hamburger and the cheese and the meat, and then they try to equate it with oh, everything from being uh, femininity, masculinity, keeping up with the Joneses, family values, patriotism, sex appeal, all the things that it has absolutely nothing to do with. That's a lot of why people have a hard time giving up food also because they associate food with like family, food with good memories, you know, food with like, this is a party, we're going to all eat together, like feasting, you know, but when you go back and you think like Thanksgiving used to be my favorite meal all year because there was lots and lots of food and, you know, but remember in history how that actually happened, (laughs) it wasn't so much a peaceful little you know, uh, the English came over and the Indians and them had so much fun together. It was a, it was a full takeover, you know, uh, and it was, uh, it was a horrific, uh, genocide in a lot of ways. So we're celebrating that every year. And that's one of the reasons I put together from the, from the Ulan, I was like, Oh my God, it was the same thing. We're celebrating something horrible. (laughs) Yeah. It's celebrating something horrible. Now, Look, I call it thanks living, and I usually go to a sanctuary where I get to feed turkeys as opposed to uh, eating them, and I uh, enjoy, uh, you know, having all the other things, whether it's the sweet potatoes with the vegan marshmallows on top, all the vegetables, a tofurkey, or a gardein uh, vegan main course that's turkey-ish. Yeah, I think we have to reinvent our traditions, just like the Yulin Dog Meat Festival needs to go away and they need to reinvent a tradition to make it not centered around torturing dogs. It's not even a tradition, though. It's only nine. Like, it started 2010, 2009, 10. So it's more it is literally just the uh, restaurants and the dog meat traders, uh, you know, making some make, making it something it isn't even a tradition and you know back it's like a it's it's the back in when when a country is starving people say oh well they're poor they don't have anything else to eat well it's not true it's actually a delicacy and it's quite expensive the dogs and the cats and stuff and there <clears throat> it, it isn't a matter of they need it to survive china has a whole like variety of, of vegetables that we don't even have over here that when i was there i mean my eyes were just tearing they were so good i'm like why do they even need to eat anything else <laughs> it's so delicious yeah, of course the uh, chinese food is is primarily plant-based in fact the china study was a study of people in china eating plant-based and it proved that eating plant-based creates greater longevity lower disease um you know that it's the best diet listen we're running out of time i i want to say rob i want to thank you for organizing that protest you know i've been thinking 
as we're talking, what can we do? There's always a solution. There's always something out there. So yes, I applaud you for protesting, but obviously we need to do something more. We need to maybe go to the UN. We need to get the United Nations involved. We need to embarrass China uh, or get a Chinese celebrity to stand up. More people need to step up. That's the problem. People of influence don't want to put themselves on the line saying something like that. And that's what needs to happen. You need to stand up for stuff. And we need people of influence to stand up and say something about it because they have followers who will, if they are leading, they will follow, you know? So let it be something that actually means something and not just a, a, a trend of like, look at my new, you know, look at my new perfume. Everybody should wear this. I smell good now. It should be something more uh, ethical, something more meaningful, something real. Well, it's hard to get celebrities to do what you want them to do and use their celebrity for a good cause. Right. We can certainly explore that. We can also explore going to the UN. I know you're leading this. Uh, I leave everybody with, we're not letting this go. We're going to have meetings. We're going to talk. Uh, people in Los Angeles, people of influence are going to get together and talk about what we can do to stop the Yulin dog meat trade, whether it's- Dog meat trade in general, not just Yulin. Yes, the dog meat trade in general. And meanwhile- if you want to be involved in, you know, compassionate animals, just stop eating them. That's what I would say. And their byproducts, which includes milk. Thank you, everybody. See you Thank next you, time here on Voice America Radio. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.